as we transition out of song and into what God wants to speak into your hearts. And uh, man, you know, the whole reason we're studying Luke is because I want you to know Jesus. And the way that you learn about who Jesus is is you look at the Gospels, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, So my prayer is we, especially as we head into the teachings of Jesus that we're getting into, may you come to know him in ways that you've never known him before. Uh, I'm going to kind of jump into a message that's that's coming later in, in my points here, but one of the most powerful ways that you come to know who Jesus is, last week we talked about blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted. It's oftentimes when you're in difficult places that Jesus shows up in extraordinary ways and you come to know him in ways you've never known him before. So I just would encourage you this morning, if, if you're in environments that seemingly are difficult, understand that God is there in the midst of that. And Jesus means to show up in very real ways. He wants you to know who he is. He doesn't want you just to understand Jesus up here. He wants you to know him in your heart here. Um, so as we look at these, these passages and continue through Luke, uh, man, may you know Jesus. Um, his desire is that he be known. And uh, so I, I really want you to grab a hold of that. Um, I'm Pastor Zach. If you're new, I don't think I had mentioned that before. Shelly kind of mentioned we're the lead pastors here. I, I do want to welcome all those joining us online. Uh, every week we have people joining us in different places. It's neat that we have that ability. And before Shelly and I came here, we were overseas. And before we were overseas, we were in the education system. Shelly and I, our undergraduate degrees are in education. My undergraduate degree is secondary education mathematics, um, which comes in handy with kids in their math work. Um, I'm glad for that. Uh, but, you know, Shelly and I taught for six years in the public school systems in uh, Chicago and in Florida before we went overseas to Africa and then to Jerusalem. And in my last year of teaching, I was teaching a geometry class, a sophomore level math class, but I had a senior in that class. And he was taking that because he knew he needed to, to help prepare him for college. But the challenge with a senior in a sophomore level class is they've got to look cool for the sophomores, right? Okay, that's a problem for a teacher in terms of navigating that. You know, as a teacher, you have the heart to want to make sure you're showing positive attention so that they don't try to gather that negative attention like these are rules of teaching. So I tried to do those things, but sure enough, within the first week, he was being a bit more of a distraction than I could kind of direct around, so I had to call him out on that, and, and so the next day then, I got a phone call from his mother, she wanted to meet, and so we talked, and, and she basically just, you know, expressed the concern that I would, you know, call out her husband, I tried, or her, not her husband, her son, <laughs> that's dangerous, um, so her son, you know, that I would call him out, and of course he tried to explain, you know, part of love is calling people out when they're out of line, and, but that didn't really matter. Um, for months then, this mom gave me more problems than I had had in my six years of teaching. Um, it, was, it was a challenging time. And I don't know about you, if, if you might have difficult people in your lives, I'm sure that you've probably encountered some along the way. Um, you might even have people in your household that uh, are maybe... Um, are abusive. If, if we really start to dive into the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today, there's some really challenging words here. So I don't know where you find yourself this morning in terms of the relationships you have in your life, but if I were to say difficult person, you know, the question is what face comes to mind? And maybe you've got some. You know, and this could happen to you no matter where you're at in life. You know, as a teenager, for sure. Uh, as, a, as a new teacher, you know, trying to navigate those things. In the workplace, as a middle-aged person, even in retirement, you can face difficult people. So it doesn't matter your stage of life, that's just a part of interacting with people in the world today. And so the question is, is what should our response be when we interact with, when we engage with difficult people? 
And maybe more pointedly, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know, the last couple of months we've been talking about what does it look like to be a citizen of heaven? So the question really is, what should our response be as a citizen of heaven? As we live out these qualities of the poor in spirit, those who uh, mourn sin and are merciful, how should we live that out as we interact with challenging personalities? What should we do? What should our response be? So if you have your Bibles... I do hope you do. We're going to continue today as we look at Luke chapter 6, and we transition from the, the blessings of being a citizen of heaven to now looking at a king's speech, the king of kings. If he gives a speech, man, I want to hear it. And so we're going to transition to that today as he continues this speech, and what we're going to do is actually look at the, the scripture passage this morning. Uh, we captured this again as we were in Israel because he continues this same passage in the same spot, so I want you to see the places where this was taking place. Uh, but I am going to invite you to stand this morning for the reading of God's word, simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave us his word, this instruction book for life, the way that we live as citizens of heaven. And it's going to be Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36 this morning. Verses 27 to 36. So if we could play that this morning. So, so behind me is the hillside where where Jesus is standing down below, sharing his speech. And here's what he says. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So to answer the question, how do we live as citizens of heaven? We do that by loving difficult people. Citizens of heaven love difficult people. If we back up a few verses in, in Luke, what we find is Jesus has prayed all night for who is going to be his inner circle, the people that he's going to invest in the next several years. They come down off the mountain and they arrive in this level place. And Jesus then shares what is the ordination service for the disciples. And a crowd has gathered, so he just begins to teach about what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven. And here's what we find. So I'm going to back up a few verses. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. It says, He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples. So Jesus came down with the disciples and stood, and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him. So this is the setting. This great crowd is there. They're eager to hear what Jesus has to say. And then Jesus begins to speak. He lays out what these qualities are of what it looks like to be a citizen in God's kingdom. 
He says citizens are poor in spirit. They mourn over sin. They're meek and merciful. They're hungry for more of God. They're peacemakers who endure persecution. Jesus gives a description of what kingdom citizens look like, and then he makes this transition to, so now that we know what you look like, the qualities you exhibit, as you abide in me, I'm going to abide in you, and this is what you're going to look like, but now he's making a transition to, and now this is what you do. Everybody tracking with me? You understand this is a transition we're making here. And here's what the interesting verse is that he shares as a transitional verse. Here's what he says, Luke 6, 27. I have it in three different translations because I like what each one brings uh, to hear. He says in the ESV, but I say to you who hear, New Living Translation, but to you who are willing to listen, willing to listen, the message would say to you who are ready for the truth. Here's why he's making this transition. Because how does he open this speech? He comes to this level place and he says, blessed are the poor, the meek, the persecuted. So he knows he's like two minutes into his message and people have already tuned him out. So he's saying, for you that are ready to hear, for you that are willing to listen, let's keep going and I'm going to show you what citizens do. And I mentioned that this morning to say, where are you at in these words of Jesus? As you read through the scriptures, as you examine these words, do you start to tune Jesus out? Like you grab a hold of this truth, but you leave this one to the side? That's not the Jesus way. That's not what Jesus says is the way that we follow him as a citizen of his kingdom. People are basically saying to Jesus, sorry, Jesus, you lost me at blessed are the poor. Like I'm packing up and going home for you that are ready to listen, for you that are willing to hear. So where are you at this morning in that? Are you ready to hear? Jesus says some challenging things. And I I bring this up because as we really start to head into the teachings of Jesus, for example, the blessed are the persecuted. I mentioned that this morning. To understand that in the times where I have felt probably the most close to Jesus are the times where I have been most pressed from the outside in. So don't fear the times in life where you're going to face challenges. Know that Jesus shows up in special ways. And if you really want to know Jesus and you don't just want to know Christianity, you need to know him in the hard times. Jesus shows up in extraordinary ways there. As we continue to walk through the teachings of Jesus, as we see him in action, there's going to be times where you'd like to close your ears to hear what he is saying. Hey, we're not to Luke chapter 9 where it says, everyone who follows me must take up his cross and follow me. We're not even to that point yet, but we're getting there. And when we get to those scriptures, are you ready to hear it? Are you willing to hear it? Are you ready for the truth? So my first challenge to you today is, may your ears be open to hear what the Spirit is saying, and then, man, may your feet be quick to obey it. Let's not just be hearers of the word. Can we be doers? I want you to be that. Let's live out the scripture today. And here's the truth that Jesus opens up with. Here's what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, you could sit on that for a long time. There's a lot there to consider. And what I find interesting is that Jesus was obviously speaking to a crowd of people who had some means. Think about it. He says, persons with a shirt and a coat. Okay, to give it away, you have to have it, right? So they had a shirt and a coat. They had goods that might be stolen. You got to think about the message he's preaching here. They were people capable of loaning to others. So Jesus is preaching to a crowd of people of means. And I, I say this because one of the common misconceptions for people as they look at the New Testament is they think the people in Galilee are just a bunch of poor fishermen. 
That's the conception. So Jesus is just, you know, preaching, blessed are the poor. Like, those people are just all poor people there, and they're like, yes, blessed am I. No, he's preaching to a crowd of people with means, and this is where he brings up these hard sayings. So what we find even in archaeology, so here's a picture. Let's flip to that one. Um, what you're looking at, this is in a village in Galilee called Yodfat. That's Roman fresco, if you'd be unfamiliar with that. Uh, this is actually stuff that Herod would use in designing his palaces. Okay, but this is just like in somebody's home in Galilee. So how many know that people in Galilee probably had some means? Absolutely. So we can't look at people in Galilee as though they were people without means. In fact, he's preaching to a crowd not too much different than what we have here in this room this morning. Anybody here own a shirt and a coat? Okay, you walking in this morning tells me you do. Everybody's got a shirt on today. Although we don't have a a sign that says no shirt, no shoes, no surface. (laughs) Um, Anybody here, you know, have goods that could be stolen? Probably. So this message that Jesus is getting into, this message is for you today. He's preaching to a crowd not unlike the one that we have sitting here today. Jesus is preaching to a large crowd near the ancient city of Capernaum. Capernaum sat on the northern ridge. A lot of Jesus' ministry was in northern Galilee. And so he's preaching not far from the city. And here's what we know, that in this city there was a military, a Roman garrison. Because we're going to find pretty soon here that he heals a centurion servant from Capernaum. So there's a military garrison at Capernaum. Now let me ask you this question. And you know, even if you don't know a whole lot about first century Judaism... At the time of Jesus, was Israel in control? Were they the ones leading the country? No, who was there leading the country at the time? The Romans were. And so let me ask you a question. If Romans are in control of the country, there's a Roman garrison like a mile away from where Jesus is sharing this message, and there's thousands of people that have gathered, do we think some Roman soldiers might be there? Absolutely. There's Roman soldiers in and amongst that crowd. So Jesus opens with, you need to love your enemies. Who do you think they were looking at in that moment? Like, I gotta love that guy toting a sword right now? When Jesus is sharing these messages, I mean, it's to the point and it's in their face. They're looking in the eyes of their enemies and he's saying, you gotta love them. You gotta bless them. You gotta pray for them. This is not an easy message for them to hear. Can I, can I pause for a moment and just ask you to examine your life? When I say loving difficult people, when I say loving your enemies, what face comes to mind? They might not be in this room this morning. Maybe they are. Hopefully they're not. But that's the person Jesus means for you to apply this message to today. So I want you to think about it for a moment. When, When that message is shared, consider who it is that hates you. Do you have anybody in your life that hates you? That's a person Jesus says you need to love because citizens of heaven love people that don't love them. The second point this morning is this. Citizens of heaven, they do acts of love. Citizens of heaven, they do acts of love. When Jesus tells the crowd, when he instructs the citizens of heaven to love their enemies, he then attaches actions that embody the message of love that he is sharing. How do you love your enemy? Well, love is proactive. It's concrete actions. It's involved by doing good. You're going to bless them. You're going to pray for them. You're going to give them clothes if that's what they're asking for. Your shirt along with your coat. You're going to turn the other cheek if you're offended. 
You know, you go back to Luke chapter 3, John the baptizer, so we haven't been in Luke chapter 3 for a little while. He's baptizing people into the Jordan River. And among that list are soldiers. So again, think about the crowd that we're in. There's soldiers in amongst them. They're looking at the people who are their enemies. Here's what we know about soldiers. Luke chapter 3, I'm going to back up a couple of chapters. John the baptizer, because they ask, they ask John the baptizer, the soldiers say, what should we do? And here's what he ta- says. Do not extort money from people by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. So what does that mean? They had the habit of threatening people, accusing people, and taking things that were not theirs. And so what's Jesus say? Okay, to these soldiers who are known for threatening you, who are known for taking your things, just go ahead and give it to them. Pray for them. Bless them. That's what Jesus is telling them to do this crowd. Jesus talks about offering your face for a smack. Anybody familiar with that verse? Turn the other cheek. Most people know that verse in the Bible for whatever reason. Verse 29. And here's what it says. In fact, it seems to be so well known that people know it. But let me ask you this question. I was thinking about this. Anybody here, and I want you to hear my full sentence here, been slapped, not just been slapped like, I don't need to know that, but been slapped because you were speaking something about Jesus. Anybody here that fits in that category? I mean, maybe you've been punched for other reasons, you know. Anybody, Ben? Usually it's very rare in a Western context I've ever known anybody to be slapped, physically slapped, because they spoke something about Jesus. That's rare. Now, in the Middle East, when we were living there, that wasn't uncommon. I met people who had been slapped. Um, But here in the U.S., that doesn't really happen too often. And so then the question is, well, how do we apply that to our context? How do we turn the other cheek? Matthew actually helps us with this. So Luke doesn't give as much description when he talks about turning the other cheek, but here's what Matthew says. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, so he's being specific now, anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Okay, so I want to demonstrate this to you this morning. Um, so Mark has already volunteered to be this, the one to get slapped this morning. Can we welcome our youth pastor this morning? Let me see, right? Yeah, here we go. That, that'll work, that'll work. Anybody really want him to get slapped today? Youth, don't raise your hand. Whoa, youth, come on. No, don't, don't. Mark will follow up with you later. <clears throat> but what he is saying, and here's why I want him up here so that you can see. Okay, if I'm going to strike his right cheek, what are most people in the world, right-handed or left-handed? Okay, so how am I going to smack him on the right cheek? The backhand, right? Okay, so in the Middle East, this is the worst insult you can receive. So it's all about being insulted, basically to slap somebody. So it's not like you're just trying to punch out their jaw. It's that you're smacking them. I won't really do it. Come on, man. (laughs) We did talk about, you know, we could really go with this. We could smack. You could have water in your mouth and like spit it out, you know. I'm not going to smack Marco. But I want you to see that basically what we're talking about is is being insulted. Now, has anyone here been insulted because of things you've you've shared? Absolutely. I have been. Um, And that's, that's a bit of what Jesus is talking about here. Thanks, Mark. What we're going to find later in Acts is application of the scripture. Oftentimes, as Christ followers were speaking of Jesus, especially in the synagogue, they would get insulted. Sometimes they even were physically assaulted. But what was the instruction? I'm going to continue to speak of Jesus. I'm going to turn the other cheek. That's the example we have. They sought, the early church, they sought to overcome evil with good. That's what Paul writes about. So what Jesus is saying is citizens of heaven... They don't jealously guard their honor. They're not afraid of insult. Again, go back to blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, who are meek. 
If you're living that way, then you're not afraid to be insulted. You continue to live for Jesus by turning the other cheek when, other pe- when you say things and people insult you for speaking of Jesus. Here's actually the application I was thinking of this morning. Um, when I was in um, high school, I played basketball, I played sports, and our team when I was a junior in high school, we went to the state tournament, so we were part of the Elite Eight team, um, so that was a lot of fun. And so as we went downstate then, then you know, part of that required a couple of nights overnight, and, and the, the team, so I went to a public high school up near Chicago, uh, played basketball there, and as we went to that overnight, then one of the guys there had brought a pornographic tape to watch. And so they went in to go watch that, of course, invited me, which I refused and said, no, that's not something that I do. And for that, then, of course, they're going to make fun of me for that. So as you speak Jesus, you're going to be insulted, but we still have to. Here's, here's what it is to turn the other cheek. You continue to speak of Jesus. You know, the whole goal of persecution, I mentioned it last week, the whole goal of persecution is silence. The goal of persecution is not to hurt you physically. The goal of persecution really isn't to kill people. The goal of persecution is to silence you. So how do you turn the other cheek? That when insults come, you continue to speak of Jesus. You don't go out of your way to offend people. You don't go out of your way to seek persecution. You're crazy if you do. That's not the goal here. But just know that as you live for Jesus, as you live a life that's bent on glorifying his name, sometimes insults are gonna come. And how do we respond? We turn the other cheek. So it's almost like, I'm gonna speak this way, get smacked. Okay, I'm gonna speak this way. You know, just keep on speaking Jesus. That's how we turn the other cheek in our culture today. And know that insult or may come. You know, one of the things that, as I was reflecting on the scripture that stood out to me, is in order to be slapped, you've got to be in striking distance. You ever considered that? And I mentioned that in the context of, I feel like one of the defaults of, of the church, or sometimes people in the church, is we want to put up walls, like establish a fortress around our home where we have no interaction with people who do not know Christ, That is not what we're called to in this world. We are called to be salt and light and to engage with people so that we can speak Jesus, even knowing that that could lead to somebody striking us. And the second part to that is this. You've got to say something worth being struck over. Right? Look, if you're tiptoeing around things because, I don't know, this person could be offended if I say the name of Jesus, guess what? You're not living the Jesus way. That's part of the application of the scripture here. So we've got to be willing to speak and speak Jesus. And even if insult comes, we continue to speak of Jesus. And when you speak of me to others, here's what Jesus would say. You might be made fun of for it. If you're in the Middle East, you're a former Muslim, you might be slapped or worse, but just turn the other cheek, continuing to share my story with others. You could be in your school's youth and speak Jesus and be insulted for it. And you just keep speaking Jesus. You could be on the Purdue campus, speak Jesus and and be considered... Um, ignorant for speaking of, of who Jesus is, and you just keep speaking Jesus. You could be in your workplace, and, and people make fun of you for the fact that you follow Jesus, that you're not willing to go out and get drunk on a Friday night, but you just keep speaking Jesus. That's what it looks like to turn the other cheek. Be firm in who you are as a citizen of heaven. Bless others by speaking of Jesus with them, and pray for those who insult you. If you begin to pray for people, you can't heart, uh, help but to start to have a heart for them. That's the way it goes. And so do that and speak Jesus. Citizens of heaven do acts of love. And the last point this morning is this. Citizens of heaven, they display mercy. Jesus says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Everything that Jesus commands reveals that citizens of heaven understand that God is watching over them. Praise God! 
You're not left alone. He's watching over your life. So everything that we live and do is the understanding that God holds me in his hand. And so I can live in his name. Any vindication can be left to him. And here's what the greatest vindication of all is. Listen to this. Is to transform the enemy, the enemy that you, the picture you have in your mind, into a friend of God through the example of love. That's the best vindication. That he transforms an enemy that you might have in your life into a friend of God because of the way that you display love and mercy to them. That's why that happens. Jesus tells the crowd they're to love those they would not love naturally. Otherwise, if they love those who love them, they do good to those who do good to them, then they really haven't displayed the love of God to others. Because he says, even those with evil hearts do that. Even people full of evil, they'll treat others this way. The citizens of heaven have a greater love. It's a distinct love in the world. They concern themselves with others. When Jesus talks about lending in such a way as not to expect a return, he's referring to a system of economy that was set up in the Old Testament. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy to help share this with you. Deuteronomy 15 says, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, if any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it might be. Take care lest there's an unworthy thought in your heart. So here's what Jesus is talking about. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and you, you, in your eye you look begrudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cries to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you and all your work and all that you undertake. God's watching over your life. You don't need to worry about these kinds of things. That's what Jesus is saying. God's in charge. As the year of release from debt approached, one was not to become hesitant to give. That's what Jesus was saying. A citizen of heaven is not to be tight-fisted or hard-hearted, but to show compassion to the needy. To act differently is to act like a person outside of the kingdom of God. Citizens of heaven should love with an exceptional love, a love that's so different the world can see it. They should see it on you. This kind of love is rewarded because it marks out the presence of those who are citizens of heaven, who reflect the character of God. I mean, God himself is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish, which, by the way, is us. He's kind to us. Be merciful as God is merciful. The standard of a disciple's behavior is a merciful character of God. The actions Jesus calls for in the messages are actions that have already been applied to the citizens of heaven. The deeper our understanding and appreciation of what God has done for us, the better prepared we'll be to reflect his character to others. And as we do, we live out what it looks like to be like him. We basically reflect him to the world around us. So you can display mercy by seeing needs and meeting needs. If you go back to blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The definition of mercy is a strong and steadfast love. It's seeing needs and meeting needs. One of the challenges I have found is in a, in a larger church setting, so often we can begin to institutionalize what should be individual things for us to do. Uh, I was talking with um, a lady that's newer to the church and just was asking how things were going um, for she and her son. And she talked about the small group that she's in, how somebody expressed basically a, a utility need, a, a need for a bill to be paid. And she said, I felt so blessed that I was able to help that individual. And it blessed me because I know she's a single mom. And she says, I saw a need and I met a need. It wasn't just that I was going to institutionalize that and say, you know what, you should just go ask the church. Now, does the church help? Absolutely. 
But I'll tell you what, we should never remove personal responsibility. We have to see needs and meet needs. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand what I'm saying with that? May we always bear the personal responsibility to say, as I see needs, Lord Jesus, may I get behind it and meet needs. That's what we're called to as we display God's mercy to others. You live as a citizen of heaven by loving difficult people, by doing acts of love, and by displaying mercy to others. If you were here last week, you heard me talk about one of our believers um, that was in the Middle East, who she had been treated poorly by her husband, and she wound up in the hospital. And as the believers there began to visit her in the hospital, they asked her, what should we do? What should our response be to this husband who has treated you so poorly, you and your son? And what they said is, well, let's look at the words of Jesus. How many know going to God's word is a good place to start if you're looking for answers? So let's turn our attention there. And so they read this passage where God says, love your enemies, bless them, pray for them. And they said, well, how do we do that? Well, he's got a business, so we're going to start visiting his business and talking about Jesus with him. So they did that for weeks. And when his wife was released from the hospital, God intervened. And this husband basically came to faith and part of that because they displayed God's love to him when he was undeserving of that kind of love being expressed. So that's the Jesus way. As we display God's love to people who in our standards would say, you don't deserve it, then God begins to do something in their lives and we truly serve as a salt and light that we're called to live as. What's interesting to me as I was going through this passage, I had seen a video like a month ago. How many have ever heard of the phrase, kill him with kindness? You ever heard of that? Hey, how many know that's this biblical principle that the world has taken and said, we're going to apply that and see how it works? How many know that works? When you're being uh, persecuted, if you're being insulted, so there was this speaker on the stage and he had two young adults and he said, look, I want you to be as vile as you can be, yell at me, say terrible things about me, and I'm going to respond to you. So they did, and he just started doing the same thing back to them. How many know no issue was resolved, it just got really ugly? That was what happened. But now he said, okay, now let's do it again. You keep saying terrible things, and I'm just going to start saying really awesome things to you. And so he did. So then he just started complimenting them and blessing them in return. And how many know, like, pretty soon, like, they had nothing else they could say. It just, it totally dissolved the situation. That's what Jesus is talking about here. If you're in an environment where you're dealing with difficult people, as you bless them and bless them and bless them, don't forget to pray for them. We can't change human hearts. Only God can change the human heart. As you pray for them, all of a sudden, their life begins to change. And it's not overnight. Usually it takes a process, and it's a period of time. But God's at work in their lives. To live as a citizen of heaven, you've got to love difficult people. And as you love difficult people, God begins to work on their hearts. Who this week is going to be a recipient of your mercy? Who are you going to love this this week that's a difficult person in your life? As you do that, the world around you begins to change. May you embrace those teachings of Jesus today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. But before we close in song today, I'd like to ask, maybe you're here today, and part of the reason you can't live out these qualities is because you're outside of the kingdom of God. You've never given your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I understand. I need your intervention in my life. But maybe you're here and you'd say, I understand my need of him. And I can't live these things out. I can't live this way unless he's in my life. And if that's you today and you say, I want to follow Jesus today, I want to give you that opportunity before we leave. So with every head bowed in this room this morning, if that's you and you'd say, that's me, I want to become a citizen of heaven. I I want to be a part of God's kingdom. Simply raise your hand and I'll pray with you before we go today that God gives you strength to follow him with all of your heart, your soul, 
and your strength. Anybody here today say, I want to follow Jesus? Over here on the middle, anybody else that say, I want to follow Jesus today? I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to be known by him. Let me pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would lead each and every one in this room into greater depths of love of you as their savior. Lord, if there are people here that know Christianity but don't know you, I just pray that you would make yourself real in their life today. God, I I pray that we would live out these qualities of being a citizen of heaven. I pray, Jesus, that we would live like you each and every day. God, I pray that we truly would love difficult people. May we show mercy to those that we might think are undeserving of mercy, but may we remember that we were in that place, but you showed us mercy. So God, I pray that we would do acts of love. I pray that we bless those who are are difficult. Pray for those who even persecute us. And Lord, as we're insulted, I pray, Lord, that we would turn the other cheek by continuing to speak your name. And Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.